it's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. We're starting off the show with a question. Is Alumacraft out of the bass boat business? They have manufactured a couple of models for several years now to include their Pro Bass series of aluminum boats and their Nimble Prowler series that is aimed towards the weekend angler fishing smaller waters for bass or crappie. I looked really hard at both models before pulling the trigger on my Nitro Bass boat in December and just for the heck of it, jumped back on the Alumacraft website again last week and here's where we share some breaking news. Much to my surprise, all of their bass boats were gone. Not a one could be found on the website. I reached out to the folks at Alumacraft to find out more, and here's what they said. I'm quoting here. With demand for our Alumacraft boats continuing to rise and with an eye towards future growth, BRP has announced that we are refocusing our operations in St. Peter, Minnesota, to better support riveted V-boat production. There was a recent pause on bass boat manufacturing, but long-term plans aren't finalized. BRP, by the way, is the Canadian-based conglomerate that owns Alumacraft, Sea-Doo, Ski-Doo, and Can-Am, along with a couple of other companies. And based on that response, it's pretty clear to me that Alumacraft is definitely out of the bass boat business in the short term and quite possibly reading between the tea leaves here for good. You heard it here first on America Outdoors Radio. This week on the show, we'll be taking you to the Columbia River Gorge, a national scenic area where the Columbia flows along the border of Oregon and Washington and right past the Dalles, where the Chamber of Commerce is a longtime and appreciated sponsor of our show. One of the members of the Dalles Area Chamber of Commerce is Mark Bush, the owner of Twisted Waters Guide Service. And he's going to be busy this winter. He's going to be fishing for big sturgeon that can get up to 10 feet long and trophy walleye weighing up to 20 pounds on the Columbia. And he'll tell you more about these unique winter fisheries in just a few minutes. After we talk to Mark about winter fishing on the Columbia River, we'll head to Wyoming, where Buzz Hedick, the state co-chair for backcountry hunters and anglers, will tell you about corner crossings. What is that, you ask? It's a valid question, and you'll find out more about this issue, which involves accessing public lands for outdoor recreation, which until the advent of GPS and apps like Onyx were essentially landlocked by private land. In other news, we've been talking about shows as of late, and this week we'll tell you all about the biggest of them all, the great American outdoor show that will be going off in Harrisburg, PA this year, running from February 5th through February 13th. The National Rifle Association puts on this huge event, and Lars Dysdale with the NRA will tell you more about it towards the end of the show. Finally, I've got to tell you folks, I am really excited about the week ahead. The reason? I am heading to Las Vegas, Nevada to attend SHOT Show, the Shooting, Hunting, Outdoor Trade Show. There's going to be up to 60,000 people, all part of the industry, they're going to be there. This is not open to the public. It's the biggest show of its type in the entire world, and we are back after a COVID cancellation in 2021. With us here to tell you more about it is Bill Dunn with the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the organization that puts it on every year. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Let's start off with what's new for 2022. This is not the same old SHOT Show. You've really expanded, haven't you? 
Yes, this will actually be the largest SHOT Show floor plan in our history. We've expanded right next door to the new Caesars Forum. It's a brand new convention center. So in addition to the Venetian Expo where we've held it, we'll also have all that additional space right across the street. And we'll be connecting the two facilities with a bridge so people can easily go back and forth within one minute to each facility. So it's greatly expanded our space. We're going to have over 800,000 net square feet of space, making it the largest floor plan we've ever had. And we'll also have more than 2,400 exhibiting companies, which is also a new record for the show. You know, that's really interesting. There's been a lot of press about a few companies that are sitting out SHOT Show this year due to COVID concerns. But to hear that you've got 2,400 companies showing up, that's amazing. And to put this in perspective for people, you've had some interesting stats in the past about how many miles you actually walk to cover the show and how long it takes if you spend just eight seconds at each booth. I'm guessing that's expanded even more this year. Yeah, we're up to... uh 13.9 miles of aisles at the show, which is more than a half marathon. So get your sneakers ready. (laughs) It's going to be epic. And in addition to, you know, new exhibitors and new exhibits, you've also got some outdoor exhibits for the first time this year, don't you? Yeah, there's a brand new area and it's outside the new Caesars Forum, which has a really awesome outdoor area right near the uh, giant Ferris wheel you see there. And we're calling that the Great Outdoors Pavilion. So there will be new exhibits out there. We're actually going to have a few shooting trailers out there where people will be able to test product right out there outside. There'll be some food trucks. There'll be music playing. So, yeah, it'll be a nice new element to the show. Oh, I can't wait. Just absolutely can't wait. I suppose we have to talk about COVID mitigation. The Archery Trade Association show just went off a a week ago. Attendance was definitely down, both from attendees and exhibitors. And I I presume that's a combination of flight problems, uh, because flights have been a, a real issue so far in this new year and during the holiday season. And because of COVID, are you expecting attendance to be down as well at SHOT Show this year? We definitely will see it slightly down. We're tracking registration every day. And since the new year, we've been adding a thousand new registrations every day, which is very encouraging. And that's what we've seen across the trade show industry right now is people are waiting longer to register and rightfully so to make sure that our travel is all set. But registration is looking great. We're actually talking to other trade shows. They're very envious of what we're seeing right now. We're expecting more than 40,000 to be in attendance at the show, which is great. That is great. I was kind of looking forward to having all the aisles to myself, but I I can go ahead and deal with just 40,000 as opposed to 60,000 this year. That's okay. What are some of the COVID mitigation factors you're going to have? I mean, are people going to have to show vaccination cards? Are they going to have to get tested? Anything like that? In the state of Nevada right now, in order to have a large gathering like the SHOT Show, it requires all attendees to wear masks while indoors. So that will be the policy at the show. We're not requiring vaccination. There will be testing on site if someone needs to get tested, but it's not a requirement. So basically, the masks is the one thing according to the state guidelines. And I'm quite certain you're going to have plenty of hand sanitation stations and all that around too? Yeah, I think we'll have a record amount of hand sanitizer. (laughs) I have no doubt. Last but not least, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. You usually unveil a new initiative every year at SHOT Show. Are you allowed to talk about what it's going to be this year? 
it'll basically be the continuation of a lot of our successful initiatives that we'll be continuing next year. A big one is the Plus One movement, which we launched a couple of years ago. And the premise behind that is encouraging all hunters and shooters to take one new person hunting or shooting in in the next year. And what we've seen so far has been great. If you think about it, if you took someone and I took someone and everybody out there took one new person, we could double participation. And that program has been very successful for us so far. We've seen the numbers and we have a pledge online where people can pledge to take a new person. And over the past couple of years, they've promised to bring over a million new people, which is great. So we're going to be continuing that initiative along with many of our others. You might be familiar with our Project Child Safe Safety Program. We're continuing to grow that into new areas and spread that to all these new audiences. You might be aware that we've had about 10 million new gun owners since the start of the pandemic. So those are all people that need guidance from experienced hunters and shooters like ourselves. But that's an example of just two programs that we've got going on that will be greatly expanding going forward. Well, I can't wait to hear more about them, and I can't wait to head to SHOT Show this week. I know it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be really exciting. It always is. If you want to find out more about SHOT Show, go to their website. It is SHOTshow.org. That's SHOTshow.org. And if you want to find out more about the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is doing a lot of great work for hunters and for the shooting sports, go to NSSF.org. That's NSSF. SF.org for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Bill, thanks so much for sharing this with us today. We'll see you at SHOT. Thank you, John. We'll see you there. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. Hey, how'd the meeting go with Tommy's school counselor today? Well, not exactly as planned. I I think we need help. Help? Why do we need help? Well, I asked her about paying for college, and she said that's not something they do. Hmm. Maybe it is time to get some help. Even if Tommy just goes to state college, it's going to cost at least $25,000 a year. We'll have to rate our retirement and pay for Tommy's tuition. There's got to be a better way. There is a better way. A way where you can pay less for college or even receive college tuition free, regardless of your income or your students' grades. A way for you to keep your hard-earned income and savings for your future and spend less on college, while virtually eliminating the need for student loans. Get the facts about college admissions and tuition by going to tuitionprograms.org. That's tuitionprograms.org, tuitionprograms.org. Get the facts about college admissions and tuition by going to tuitionprograms.org. 
Next on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to the beautiful Columbia River Gorge, bordering Oregon and Washington. That's where our sponsor, the Dallas Chamber of Commerce, is located. And one of the members of that chamber is Mark Bush, the owner of Twisted Waters Guide Service, specializing in fishing for all sorts of those wonderful species you can catch in the Pacific Northwest. Mark, great to have you back on the show. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks, John. The great thing about the Columbia River is that there's always something to fish for year-round. And even though we're in the dead of winter, there's two species that stand out. One of them is sturgeon. Now, we get some huge sturgeon on the Columbia River, but right now you actually have the opportunity to actually keep one, which is kind of rare anywhere you go. Tell us about the the catch-and-keep season as we roll into the latter part of January. Well, right now with the uh, quota that they've set, People have been out quite a bit, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of pictures on social media of people getting their fish. So I'd, I'd suspect that that quota is going to be filled here pretty quick. And that you're allowed to keep, during this time of year, one sturgeon a day. It's going to close between Bonneville Dam and the Dalles, and between the Dalles and John Day, I get that. But it usually stays open longer above John Day Dam, where Rufus is located. I never really hear of people sturgeon fishing up there much. That's probably why it stays open longer, isn't it? I believe so. And there's just a lot of water to cover. I concentrate my efforts right here in the Dalles. And between the Dalles Dam and the John Day Dam, and it seems like it concentrates the fish a little bit better, and it's a little bit more consistent. Well, even if you're not going after a sturgeon to keep, targeting sturgeon is a ton of fun if you are looking for the big fish of a lifetime, because they get really, really big, especially around the Dalles. What's the biggest one you've ever caught, Mark? We've put a nine-footer to the side of the boat. Oh, Um, gosh. Yeah, it towed us around for a little while. Normally, when I'm walleye fishing, we'll actually hook into them when we're trolling worm harnesses. And uh, if they're a smaller fish, I'll let people play them out and bring them up to the side of the boat, and we'll catch and release them. But if they're big and they're towing us around, and I'm using eight-pound liter material for walleye, I usually just have the, the client break it off, and we get back to catching walleye. You know, funny story. I was at fish camp there a few years back and was out fishing with a a local Sharpie named Dave Wolf. And we were walleye fishing, and that's exactly what happened. Eight-pound test line. We were trolling plugs, hooked into a six-foot sturgeon. And I looked at him and said, do you want me to break it off? And he says, John, that's my favorite plug. So (laughs) we, we fought that sturgeon for like 45 minutes, got it up to the side of the boat, and it, it actually, the, the hook came loose by itself. It was absolutely perfect. That was something else, catching a, a big sturgy on light gear like that. But folks, if, if you want to get into some big fish, even a small sturgeon is like three feet long, but there's a good chance you're going to get into four, five, six footers, and you might get one of those nine footers. It is a ton of fun, and it can be pretty fast and furious. I mean, you can catch multiple sturgeon on any given day, can't you, Mark? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's switch gears to walleye fishing because that's that's something else the Columbia River Gorge is known for is great walleye fishing. And this is the time of the year to go after the big ones because those hens, they are full of eggs. And, you know, some people say they expect the next world record to come out of the Columbia River. Are you one of those people that subscribe to that theory? Oh, absolutely. They have a consistent food source. We caught a large male last year. It had a a hook in its gills. We kept that fish, and it had a six-inch smallmouth in its its stomach. Wow. So, and it's just a very consistent 
food source for them. And, you know, we've seen a lot more pressure on the walleye recently, but I think people are coming around to the fact that they don't need to keep 20 walleye a day. Personally, I limit my people to 10 walleye per person per day. That's enough for me to to fly out. Oh, yes. (laughs) And, uh, And it's enough for people to take home and have a good meal out of it. And what we also do, and a lot of the other local guides are on board with this as well, we're releasing those big hens. Good. And putting them back in the water so that they can continue that bloodline and and we won't have to worry about, you know, having more fish in the future. Well, I think it's great. I know there's biologists in both Washington and Oregon that would wish you would do otherwise, but I'm all for having a trophy walleye fishery in the Columbia River and sustaining it, so I think it's good what you're doing there. How do you go about catching the walleye this time of year in terms of what sort of areas are you targeting and depth and presentation? Right now, the guys that are catching the the that are consistently catching are going at night. I don't like fishing the Columbia at night. There's big boats that go by that aren't always able to see you, especially this time of year with the fog that we get. But a lot of them are trolling large plugs upriver, trolling for them, or they'll drop anchor and they'll just put the plugs out. And those are those bandit plugs seem to be all the rage, aren't they? They are. I've got a a good assortment of them myself. (laughs) (laughs) What about, you know, spinner worm harnesses this time of year, like using a smile blade for max lure? This time of year, you've got to get really deep. The fish are really in the deeper channels up to 40 to 50 feet. And uh, the worm harnesses will work. Worm harnesses, I think, are the most consistent way of catching walleye. I know they work really good in March, April, and May. And my go-to is the Max Smile Blade. And what about, you know, you're mentioning this deep water here. What about blade baits and jigs, or is it just too hard to keep them vertical with the current you get on the Columbia with the dams flowing? Well, that's the thing. If the dams are, are letting water out, you know, that really does create a lot of current. And keeping everything vertical when you're jigging can be a little bit problematic. So, there it is, bandit lures for this time of year for the big walleye. (laughs) Pretty much. And if the water's not flowing too heavy, well, you can use some of the other techniques, too. Do you have some openings this winter for both sturgeon and walleye, Mark? I do. I've got openings for uh, sturgeon coming up at the end of this month and into February. Well, February, we go right into the show season, and I'll be at the Piala Sportsman Show, the Portland Show, and I will also be at Redmond. All right. And those shows are all put on by O'Loughlin Trade Shows. The Puyallup Show is also known as the Washington Sportsman Show, February 2nd through the 6th. The next show is the huge Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. That's taking place at the Expo Center in Portland, February 16th through the 20th. And that third show is a Central Oregon show. That one is taking place at the Deschutes County Fairgrounds in Redmond. Look for Mark Bush and Twisted Waters Guide Service there. Or you can go ahead and book a trip with them online anytime. Just look for Twisted Waters Guide Service on Facebook or twistedwaters-gs.com. That's twistedwaters-gs.com. And if you're looking for a place to stay and some great places to eat, just Google the Dallas Chamber of Commerce website or just go to explorethedalles.com. You'll find everything you need. The Dallas is your perfect base camp for a fishing adventure, especially if you're going out for sturgeon or walleye this winter with Mark Bush or any of the other fine guides there. Mark, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. It was all my pleasure, John. Thank you very much.
This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp, and they've got a deal for you. If you go to their website at WorkSharpTools.com and spend $99 or more, you're going to get not only free shipping on your order, but also a free micro sharpener and knife tool. This is a great little product. Fits right in your pocket. Take it out whenever you need to, to not only sharpen and hone your pocket knife, but also to tune it up. It's got little bits in there for quick maintenance for your folding knives. It fits right in your pocket. It's a perfect accessory to have with you anytime you're on the go. Again, just order $99 or more of product at WorkSharpTools.com. You'll get free shipping and a free micro sharpener and knife tool. Now that is a deal. The website again, WorkSharpTools.com. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got an absolutely fascinating topic here for you. It's called corner crossing. It's probably something you've never heard of, but if you are a hunter or an angler for that matter, and you're trying to access public lands, this can be a real issue for you. With us here to tell you more about it is Buzz Hedick. He's the co-chair for the Wyoming State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and he's been working on this situation big time in the Cowboys State. Buzz, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start off with exactly what corner crossing is. I think a lot of folks have no idea what we're talking about here. So corner crossing, you can think of it as a checkerboard, where every other section of land is public and every other section is private. And where that corner comes together on the four corners between private and public, what people do is they step from one piece of public to another piece of public to access all the public land out there. So that's basically what it is. Just think of it as a checkerboard. All right. This checkerboard of basically 640-acre parcels out west was very common. How did that come to be? Through a couple different uh, land grants. Basically in Wyoming, the whole swath of uh, south-central Wyoming, every other section was given to the railroads for movement west and then also to get uh, funding to build the railroads is why that all happened. So it was basically a land grant given to the railroads. I understand the concept here of going from one corner of public land to another corner of public land and trying to avoid stepping on any private land in between. How has this become an issue in recent years? I don't really recall this coming up in the distant past. Yeah, it really wasn't much of an issue in the past just because nobody had access to things like GPS units, Onyx maps, things like that, GIA. I mean, there's several of those mapping programs out there now. And that allows the hunter to know exactly where they are or really close to where they are. And it it allows them to go out there and find those corner pins. Most of the corner pins are in, not all of them, of course. But that's really what spurred this on is just the GPS technology. 
Well, that makes perfect sense. I, I remember back in the 90s trying to access some public land and literally looking for one of those corners. But all I had was just a regular map. And as you might imagine, it didn't work out too well. So yeah, things like Onyx and you know GPS units, I guess, make it a lot easier to find exactly where those corners are. Now, I understand that landowners, by and large, are not happy with hunters who are doing this corner crossing. Why are they so upset about it? By hunters or anglers basically stepping over a corner of their property to continue accessing public land. Well, first of all, I think there are some landowners that are probably not bothered by it at all. They recognize that the technology is there, but there are some that also are not. And when they're not, they tend to be really not, you know, in favor of it at all. And the reason is, is because for years and years and years, they've had basically uh, the sole benefit of that public land by, you know, nobody else being able to access it. And I think that does bother them. It also is some things that have happened where they were told that there's no legal access there, and that would include corner crossing, but that may or may not be the case. Speaking of what may or may not be the case, there's an interesting case winding its way through the courts right now regarding corner crossing. Why don't you explain what this case is all about? Yeah, so this case was brought to us by four hunters from Missouri. They found a corner to cross in a pretty darn good elk and deer area. They crossed the corner in 2020, just walked right over it. Uh, They got a hold of the game warden, and the county sheriff there told them what they were going to do. They were just like, yep, as long as you don't step on the private property, you should be fine. So they did it, had a really successful hunt, came back last fall, did the same thing, exactly. Uh, Told people, uh, the the sheriff and the uh, warden, what they were going to do, Same, pretty much the same thing. In the meantime, this Elk Mountain Ranch put pounded two T-posts on either side of the uh, corner and then hung chain between the two T-posts so they couldn't walk through. These guys got a little uh, ingenious, and they found themselves a ladder, and they put the ladder on the public land on one side over the cross of the two T-posts with the chain down the other side and just went, went about their business of hunting back there. They were very successful again, and on the last day they hunted, county sheriff came out and cited them for criminal trespass. So, Buzz, before we go any further, why did the sheriff's office do an about-face and issue the citation after they told these hunters for two years straight that it was okay to do this? What we've been able to find out, and to the best of my knowledge, a representative of the Elk Mountain Ranch contacted the county attorney 15 times in one day, that day being the day that the citations were issued. Nothing like a little political pressure, I guess, huh? (laughs) I guess not. What's the basis of citing them for criminal trespass if their feet never touched the ground? We don't really know exactly what the county attorney in Carbon County is going to uh, use to prosecute them or what their argument is going to be on what they did. We think that it's probably going to be an airspace issue where the county attorney and the landowner feel like there was an airspace violation where they cut through the airspace. You know, I've heard of stream access issues in the courts. I've heard of definitely land issues in the courts and easement issues. I've never heard of airspace issues in my life. This is absolutely crazy. What's the prevailing thought on whether this is going to be successful or not, this prosecution? Well, again, we don't know for sure because this is all just a legal gray area. What we do know is that uh, Patrick Crank, the attorney general under Dave Friedenthal, For Title 23, which is a game and fish violation for trespassing, his legal opinion was that corner crossing to hunt 
under Title 23 was not valid. There was no intent for the hunter to hunt the private property. He was simply trying to get from one corner to another. There was a case that was heard in front of Robert Castor, a judge out of Laramie, Wyoming, in Albany County. And Ken Kearney actually, you know, challenged that the ticket that he received under Title 23 and Judge Castor found in favor of the person that crossed the corner, Ken Kearney. So that's kind of what where we're at right now and why we feel like there's a pretty good chance that this uh, case in, in Carbon County is going to probably come to a similar resolution, hopefully. Will this have precedent in any other states? And have there been decisions in other states? Because obviously uh, the same issue comes into play, not just in Wyoming, but all sorts of other places. Not that I'm aware of has this ever gone to court. I don't believe there are any other cases for precedent. And no, this case would also not set precedent unless it went to a, uh, an appellate court, meaning in this case, probably the Wyoming Supreme Court. All right. So I guess the last question is this. What is the stance of backcountry hunters and anglers on all this? Well, the one thing I'd like to make abundantly clear is that Wyoming BHA is definitely strongly in support of private property rights. We don't want anybody out there, you know, breaking the law, entering on people's property without their permission. However, we're also very, very, very much in favor of accessing our public lands. And corner crossing, we feel, is a valid way and should be a legal way to access our public lands. And the one thing we've done on on this case in particular to show that we're willing to work with the landowners, BHA has always been a huge donor to the Wyoming Access Yes program which is an awesome program. It allows the Wyoming Game and Fish to enter contracts with private landowners to access private lands as well as other public lands that would have been landlocked. And anything that we don't spend in defense of these four hunters through the GoFundMe page that we sent up uh, will be donated to the Access Yes program because we still feel very strongly in, in you know cooperative agreements with landowners to gain access to a lot of this public land. If you want to find out more about this issue, folks, and if you want to sign the the pledge in support of corner crossing, legal corner crossing, go to the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website. You'll find it at backcountryhunters.org. That's backcountryhunters.org. Scroll down that front page there. You'll find more information about this issue, which affects hunters not only in Wyoming, but all over our United States. Buzz, thanks for explaining all of this to us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me. Next, I want to tell you something I really love about our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. They're a company that cares about people, and their Guns for Great Causes program is the perfect example of this. Henry Repeating Arms announced a donation of 65 custom support for Sammy rifles, and this raised a total of $46,700, all of which is going to benefit the family of 11-year-old Sammy Bernadiskowski of Elk Ridge, Maryland. The money provides relief for the medical expenses she's incurred through treatments for multiple congenital heart defects, which includes five open-heart surgeries. 
I've got to tell you, Henry Repeating Arms, they've done similar fundraisers with custom-made engraved rifles for kids battling life-threatening medical conditions for years. And it speaks so well of this company that makes all of its rugged, reliable, great-looking firearms right here in America. You can find out more about the Guns for Great Causes program and check out the lineup of lever-action rifles and other firearms from Henry Repeating Arms at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. And don't forget to ask for your free catalog and decals while you're there. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true. To provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities, Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio, and I am very happy to tell you that the Great American Outdoor Show is back. It's taking place at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Saturday, February 5th through Sunday, February 13th. With us here to tell you more is Lars Daleside with the National Rifle Association, the organization that puts this on. Lars, welcome to the show. It's great to have the Great American Outdoor Show back again. Oh, yeah. People are excited. We're pumped here around the office. Get back up to Harrisonburg, PA, and open up the latest and greatest in outdoor gear and adventures at the Great American Outdoor Show. 
Well, just about everything shut down last year, so I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand for this. And I understand you've got, what, 1,100 exhibitors there? Right. I have the number right now is more than a thousand, but yeah, it's ticking around the 1100 type area. And you know, you need a lot of things to fill up the farm show complex. It's a huge facility run by the state up there in Pennsylvania. And there's just so many nooks and crannies and we're filling each and every one with something that's going to fit everybody's outdoor wants and needs. I understand there's going to be several hundred guides, outfitters, charter boat captains there. And for me, that's one of the big reasons I go to sportsman shows is to, to book a trip or two. But who are some of the other exhibitors? Are we talking about like RV dealers, boat dealers? What else are we talking about here? We have boats, we have RVs, we have archery, we have hunting, we have firearms. We've even got the guys that sell the snow plows and the <laughs> snow machines and everything else that you're looking for. I mean, when I said anything and everything for your outdoor stuff, we've got it short of snorkeling. And I'm not sure if we have anybody on the uh, on the, the skin diving side of things this year, but it's if so, uh, you know, that's where you can find it. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm assuming there's going to be several retailers there as well with some pretty good deals for folks. Yeah, usually uh, we've, we talked to a number of our vendors on, on all sides, and there's usually a great deal to be had. It's going to be better than what you're going to find online. It's going to be better than what you're going to find in the actual brick-and-mortar retail stores. So that's also one of the big things because people understand that you're making the sacrifice and bringing yourself and the family out to the show. And it's a big, long day, and there there can be long lines, but that just goes to prove of the uh, popularity of it all. But that's why, you know, they, they try to give you that extra little bit of incentive to try their product, try their service, and make sure that you're going to get the best out of your experience. Now, another reason that people go to sportsman shows are the seminars. And, you know, s some of the smaller shows, I mean, I've seen literally – as few as like maybe six seminars a day, and it's the same guys giving the same seminars <laughs> over a three-day period, uh, you've got a whole lot more than that, don't you? Well, well, we're filling things up with just about every day. And the, the seminars are, are fantastic. You know, my favorites were always like the sausage making or the uh, the long range shooting. You know, it's a wide variety of different stuff. But we've got everything from, from that to the casting to uh, the variety of different hunting, whether, you know, we're talking uh, waterfowl or pheasant or big game. It, again, I, I hate to be repeating myself with all this, but if you're looking for anything that you want to pick up, one little hint on what's going to make your experience that much better, you're going to be able to find it there from February 5th through the 13th. As a matter of fact, folks, we are looking at 200 <laughs> seminars during that time. So get out your notebooks or get out your laptop and be prepared to learn a whole lot of stuff. Something else you've got going on is Doc Dogs Competition. That's always a ton of fun to watch. <laughs> and for the archery enthusiasts, you've got two things. You've got the 3D Bowhunter Challenge and the Spot Challenge. Tell our listeners about this. Oh, yeah. We've got the nice big hall set up right off of the, the main drag. And with that, you go in there, you have your equipment, and there's going to be a variety of targets that you get to set up for. It's all timed out. It's all done by accuracy and time, variety of different categories, variety of different winners. And it's something that's very, very popular. And sometimes we have the folks that are standing in line there that think they're waiting to get in to, to see whatever this great sale is that's going on. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> These are the folks that are here to compete in the 3D Archery Challenge. With COVID restrictions, are there going to be any changes to the Great American Outdoor Show this year? 
Well, when it comes to the the COVID line, we're just staying with whatever the local and state guidelines are. And as of now, they don't have any restrictions when it comes to the indoor gatherings. But if people want to keep up to speed on that, the best place to go would probably be the Pennsylvania Department of Health, which is health.pa.gov. And they'll have whatever restrictions are going on there. But as of right now, everything is free and wide open. There is uh, nothing to worry about. If you want to come in with your mask, great, wear your mask. If you don't, then don't. Last question for you. There's always some celebrities that seem to show up at the Great American Outdoor Show. Who are you expecting this year? Uh, well, I know we have a couple of big draws when it comes to uh, David and Karen Holder. We have uh, Brooke Winters is coming in. One of my favorite fishermen of all time, Roland Martin, is going to be there. You know, we'll have our big old hog tank that sits there in the middle of the whole thing, and it's thousands of gallons and hundreds of fish, and it's just a awesome thing to see. And even down to one of the last days, usually, and one of the favorites of the crowd, Jason Clark. He's going to be bringing back his snakes and reptiles, and you can see him out there with uh, the boas and the poisonous and the whole nine yards. All sorts of reasons to attend the Great American Outdoor Show at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, PA. Again, the dates are Saturday, February 5th through Sunday, February 13th. It's put on by the National Rifle Association. It's great to be back again. If you want to find out more about the show, go to the website. You'll find it at greatamericanoutdoorshow.org. That's greatamericanoutdoorshow.org. Don't miss out on the biggest sports show in the entire nation Coming at you very soon. Lars, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you, John. Speaking of sportsman shows, I'll be exhibiting at the second biggest show in the nation. That would be the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland between February 16th and the 20th, as well as the big Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup from February 2nd through the 6th. Stop by our booth. It'll be titled the Northwestern Outdoors Radio Booth, but it's also our America Outdoors Radio Booth. And say hello, because when you do, you'll get to enter for a chance to win a Henry Repeating Arms Golden Boy Lever Action Rifle. Made in America, these 22 caliber rifles are absolutely gorgeous. They look like they just came right out of the Old West, and we're giving away one at each show. And if you attend and stop by, you just might end up being a winner. We've got one more item for you this weekend. It's about ice fishing and where to do it, especially if you're in Utah. The Utah Division of Wildlife Resources came out with a list of lakes they'd recommend fishing this winter, and our listeners tuning in to our affiliate, KOAL AM 750 out of price, along with anyone traveling to Utah this winter, might be interested in bringing out a fishing rod and maybe an ice auger out to Strawberry Reservoir, where you'll find both nice-sized rainbow and cutthroat trout. Flaming Gorge Reservoir, bordering Wyoming, is a great place to go for big lake trout, big kokanee, and burbot too. And Lost Creek Reservoir has a mixed bag of cutthroat trout, tiger trout, and even splake. If you prefer warm water species under the ice and lots of them, try Pineview Reservoir east of Ogden, as well as Rockport and Echo Reservoirs in Summit County. You should be able to catch plenty of perch or bluegill out of these lakes this winter. 
If you're in Vermont, you'll want to mark your calendar for January 29th because that's a free ice fishing day and you don't need a license to go ice fishing in the state of Vermont. If you've never tried ice fishing before, the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department is putting on a couple of clinics next week that might help you out. The first one takes place on the 21st at 2.30 p.m. It's a trout ice fishing clinic at Lake St. Catherine near Pulteney. And the following day, the 22nd at 9 a.m., you could take part in an introduction to ice fishing class at the Singing Cedars Access Area in Orwell. These clinics are absolutely free and fishing equipment will be provided. Each one of these clinics lasts two and a half to three hours, so dress warm and bring something warm to drink too. You can register for these classes at the Vermont Fish and Wildlife website. Just look for the free winter fishing clinics. And hopefully some of you listening in the greater Vermont, New Hampshire area on WVR 1490 or 98.9 or WNTK 99.7 will be able to take advantage of this opportunity. One place you didn't want to be fishing at last week was on the ice along the east end of Green Bay, Wisconsin. A large chunk of that ice broke off and floated into the bay with 34 anglers stranded on it. Fortunately, first responders in boats from the local sheriff's office, fire and rescue, and even the Coast Guard were able to ferry all 34 anglers back to shore safely. However, those anglers had to leave all of their gear behind, making the day both kind of a scary and definitely a costly experience those fishermen and women won't soon forget. It's time to wrap things up, and as we do, I hope we've given you some great ideas on things to do in the days and weeks ahead, and I'd like to thank our guests for sharing those ideas with you. Here's hoping you stay healthy during this time where a lot of people are coming down with that darn Omicron variant of COVID. And here's hoping that you're able to spend a little time outside too. There are some definite opportunities, whether you are waterfowl hunting or ice fishing or maybe just strapping on the snowshoes and going for a walkabout. Until next time, do be blessed and do remember this. It is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. We'll be right back. 